Welcome to the basement. Welcome to the basement. What up, though? Yo, growing up, I only ever had two constants in my life. My granddad's basement and my granddad's basement. There's something you can ride to, something you can vibe to, something you can chill to, something you can smoke to, something that'll make you think, something that'll make you feel good. I'm just a dude from a trailer park trying to figure out the universe. How deep you want to go? 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 Hey, what is good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. Let me get my latte. Hold up. Hold up. Put my latte over there. Okay, so this podcast, I'm going to catch y'all up on a couple of little few things. But predominantly, I think we're going to focus on my asshole. All right, so if you don't want to hear about my asshole, the history of my asshole, how we got into a hemorrhoidal predicament to a hemorrhoidectomy surgery and the recovery. This is not the podcast for you. All right. I'm going to, um, we're just going to kind of take you on a journey. So let's go back. Let's go back. So from 2014 to 2017, I think let's start there. I've mentioned before my steroid use, anabolic steroid use in the past. Um, if you scroll back on uh, my Instagram page, not the podcast Instagram page, uh, Odin Rain, scroll back 2014 to 2017, you'll see some flexing and you'll see me fucking jacked. Like just naturally, I'm, uh, I'm six foot two and a half. I tell people I'm six three because I don't ever want to be shorted that half inch. All right. No shorts, no losses. That's not how we do things around here. So I'm six three, about a buck. Uh, 85 to a buck 95, depending on just what time of year it is, how much I've been working out. Summertime now, I've been real active. I'm probably like a buck 85 right now, but I don't really dip below that. And uh, if I if I'm in shape, working out, I can maximize my my body at about 210. Like 205 to 210 is like as big as and like I can get. You know, putting in the work. And uh, there was just something crept in my mind, the mentality, uh, let's see, 2000, 2014, so I would have been 29. Uh, I'm not anti-steroids by any means, but at 29, I don't think anybody needs to be using steroids. Um, I guess caveat, you are have your professional bodybuilder's card, and you are a genetic freak. Um, then at 29, I mean, if that's your livelihood, you need to hit a little bit of that needle. I'm, you know, I got, I got nothing to say about that. Uh, I will say, I think I, impro- I, I abused it, though. I have a history of drug abuse. All right, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm an addict, but I got a lot of addict tendencies as the son of an alcoholic. Uh, Predominantly, I have alcoholic tendencies uh, just by my psychology, but that flows over. Like, uh, and I'm real, uh, real encourageable and real, uh, I was going to say ambitious, but um, uh, what's the word when you do something? on site that you wouldn't normally do. Impulse. I'm real impulsive, or at least I have a history of being impulsive. So as I continue to work on all that, I sit back and reflect on some of the things that I've done. I'm like, damn. But uh, So I get on steroids 2014 for the first time. 2007. I had it kind of dialed in by 20, late 2016. But uh, a little bit of everything. I mean, testosterone, all, obviously with every cycle. When I say from 2014 to 2017, I don't mean consistently for three years, but like way more than half the time. You should, if you're doing steroids, the general idea on the threads is you should take at least the amount of time off, probably double 
than whatever you cycled. So let's say you did a four-week cycle of testosterone. You should take at least four weeks off, but probably eight. I couldn't. I, I Just that impulsivity, that addiction, like I turned myself into a weapon. So it was like, go, go, go. And I'm sure I did damage. I think more damage was done to me uh, with the amount of weights that allowed me to lift, uh, you know, strap 400 pounds on your back. When you got a bad back, that's not great for it. So I think the amount of weight that I piled on did just damage back, hips, knees. And I'm, you know, I feel like, all right, I can move around day to day if my back's out. Like my, I have a genetic back issue. So if my back goes out, it's not because of that, but I don't think it helped. You know what I'm saying? So in that time frame, I was, you know, I, I bulked up like, I, you know, I'm like 205, 210 pounds, you know, get up to 220, get up to 230. I topped the one scale one time at 238. So damn near 240. All right. Then I kind of, you know, if I was like 220, that was always where I was like looking kind of where I physically to my own eye felt I looked the best. But I got I got I got big in that time frame and I was doing a lot of deadlifts, a lot of heavy squats, you know, a lot of power lifting maneuvers, a lot of real heavy leg presses. All right. And that developed a hemorrhoid issue. Okay. And if you're not familiar with hemorrhoids, that's when your asshole blows out. So the inside of you is on the outside. And pretty much you can just push them back in. A lot of people they go away. All right. But mine continued and it became chronic and then I stopped steroids I stopped I stopped lifting weights entirely in 2000 right before I turned yeah 32 the year my son was born my first son 2017 uh big g was born uh, and it was like that around it was right before my birthday that year so I was like you know coming up on 32 I really was feeling it physically and I stopped lifting weights entirely. I, I swapped to more um, kind of plyometrics, so push-ups, sit-ups, light kettlebell use, resistance bands, you know, a little more, you know, bodily friendly exercises. So I did that, but the hemorrhoid situation was already there, right? So years go by and it just gets worse. And every time I could be doing sit-ups sometimes recently, like this year, 2022, uh, my asshole would fall out of itself. You know, I have to push it back in. And 100% of the times I sat down and drop a deuce, my asshole would fall out of itself. And sometimes I got some, I got some photographs. I, t- I took some, I'm a nasty motherfucker. I was like, what, what is happening back here? Let me look at this. Looking like a cinnamon roll between my butt cheeks, just popping out. I'm like, uh, not, not a desirable cinnamon roll either. Nothing. It's not a Cinnabon. It's a, a Daniel Bond. But man. So that got to a point where I needed to consult medical, like, uh, attention. So I hit up the VA. All right. They're like, okay, we'll start you off on on this. We'll start at the basics. It's this. I see some hemorrhoids in there. We'll treat it with a suppository. If you don't know what a suppository is, it's like a little something, a a medicine that is dissolvable. You just put in your asshole. So boop, put the suppository in. It's supposed to take like three weeks before it kind of starts to tighten things up. Uh, within a week, the situation got worse, like it, like noticeably worse. So I immediately stopped. That's why I've made comments on this podcast before. As far as I uh, quote, as far as I'm concerned, the VA is trying to kill me, end quote. Like I've said that before. And it's for shit like this. Like I show up, I have like it's stage four hemorrhoids. Like they're they're absurd. 
uh, very noticeable, very, very massive, unlike anybody in my circle whom I talk to has gotten to that extreme. Everybody I talk to is like, yeah, I got a hemorrhoid once or, yep, I got, you know, just kind of push it back in. It was all good. Or uh, if y'all remember uh, one of the homies, Stick, who was on the podcast uh, a couple years ago, one of my very best friends, he had uh, he had like something compacted. I, I don't know. He I don't know if he knew what he was talking about, but he had like a minor procedure done. But the hemorrhoidectomy was major. So I went to the VA. This was kind of early in the pandemic. I remember, I remember it being yeah, in masks and yeah, I remember it being twenty twenty, and so that didn't work out as I intended. Stop doing that. I don't like to go to the VA for consulting. I'll go back to the VA trying to kill me, but it's because they can't get, they don't have their shit together. And they've almost killed my stepdad a couple of times, like on more than one occasion. Um, I don't find them competent. I, uh, doctors, I find them at the lower, lower end of, you know, trying to hang on to their professions. They go try to get a job at the VA. These aren't the doctors that graduated at the top of their class. I even had a conversation with a psychologist at the VA when I first started going about my pain. I got chronic back pain. My, my medical record reflects that. Spinal stenosis, which is a degenerative disc issue. Everybody gets it. You get it by the time you're 60. I discovered it in my 20s, which means it started in my teens. Um... Oh, and I was going off on a tangent on, on the VA. Oh, the pain, uh, the pain guy. So uh, a herniated disc also between L4 and L5, that never goes away. There's significant pain in my back on top of being a mechanic, on top of other issues that are going on back there. And he was trying to, I don't know, convince me, but his his like thesis paper was about pain being in the mind. And I'm like, dude, after about two sessions, I was like, hey, man, um, this isn't, I'm not, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't have fake pain. I don't have psychological pain. Look at my medical record. I have legitimate pain. We're done here. But during one of those meetings, I disclosed with him. I was like, Hey, I'll tell you something, you know, kind of in confidence, but I don't want this in my medical record. You know, the only thing that helps my back pain is being able to bulk up the muscle and I can get more muscle by using steroids. And honestly, when my back was very, like when I was all bulked up like that, my, my, like my lumbar, like the actual part you know, from doing a lot of core workouts, like it hurt less. Like my, my back did hurt less, but long-term stacking all those weights on my shoulders and, and pulling heavy deadlifts. I think that accelerated things a little bit, but in the moment, like I had the least amount of, of back pain. My knees were the ones that were kind of hurting uh, when all that stuff was going on. Uh, but that made it, I told him not to put that in the record and he did put it in the record. So that's in like my file. It's very upsetting to me. Like I disclosed that in confidence. It was that. And I had a, another VA doctor be like, so the back pain, uh, steroids and marijuana still helping. Like he said, it kind of smug. I was like, I've never talked to you about that. And then I did. That's all I said. I was like, I've never talked to you about that. And I don't want to, that's not what we're here for. Um, so f- <sighs> I go to the VA once a year for annual physical <laughs> just to kind of keep the, the disability benefits in check. Speaking of disability benefits, boy, I threw my back out. Uh, it happens, you know, once, twice a year. But this has been the worst one, the worst back throwing out that I've ever had. But uh, I'll go back to that. So doing all that heavy lifting, all, you know, for a few years, though, I can, you know, really contributed to the hemorrhoid situation. VA didn't do it for me. So 2022 rolls around. I'm like, oh, I got to get another consult. This is to a point where it's affecting my my interactions with other people, just the thought of it. So it's, it's clouding my thoughts. It's planted a seed. I need to get this taken care of. Go to a medical consult at uh, a real doctor's office. And they're like, yeah, man, you need you need surgery. 
Um, you need colorectal surgery uh, referral. Here's here's that. So get all that lined up. Go check out. Go holler at that dude. Big shout out to Dr. Neil Banner University in uh, Tucson, Arizona. The banners all over Arizona, uh, but the ones in Tucson, it's it's a decent. Excuse me, it's a decent uh, decent establishment. Nice facilities. You know, nice doctors. You are always going to talk to a med student. So that's, I, I like that. I like being able to help them because I'm fairly competent on top of my health. I know when something's wrong, so I go get it taken care of. And, I, and we all generally will walk through it together. And when it's a student, like they, they introduce themselves by their first names, like, like Anthony or, or Brittany or whomever. Like they're not a doctor yet. So I'll walk them through. I'll explain to them my situation, try to make them laugh or whatever. But uh, so what we decided there, like, all right, yeah, you, you need the surgery. You want the surgery? I was like, yeah. I was like, we can get you in Wednesday. I'm like, perfect. This is on like a, a random Monday. So we can get you in, in like nine, 10 days. It's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So we schedule the surgery and like, I'm, you know, you get stressed out. And at that time, this was uh, the end of April. All right. I ain't hollered at y'all. I think since uh, sometime around, uh, around Easter or did I have one? No, I had one recently. I've been trying to get one out for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, since I, I, I did Easter podcast, launched the business on the last podcast. And now I'm just trying to get a little bit more regular, stay on top of the on top of the schedule. But uh, so this is the end of April going for the surgery and leading up to it. This is like right around the time. So I'm stressed out from surgery, right? That I have a surgery coming up. I hate the idea of getting cut open. I don't want people going inside of me. Like it's not like that's why I try to stay on top of my health to avoid these types of things. I mean, there's you hear things your whole life, just horror stories of surgery. And I'm usually, you know, it's a hemorrhoidectomy, routine surgery, although major. Right, routine surgeries can still be major surgeries. It doesn't matter how routine it is. You can go in for a routine tummy tuck down to West and not, you know, wake up after. All right, complications with anesthesia. That doesn't even kill you, but maybe they did it wrong and you're awake your whole surgery feeling all that pain. Like it's, you know, it's wild. So surgery is a little bit scary and it should be a little bit scary, right? You're getting cut open, but everything goes well. Right, but I'm stressed out, really, really stressed out. That was the same time frame my kids had just switched from daycare to their school that they're gonna be at, from kindergarten to eighth grade. All right, so we've committed like over a decade to go to this school, right? So, and the older kid was having, my older son was having a little bit of issues adjusting and he was taking that out at home, All right? He was still an angel at school. Yeah, we get a bad report every now and then just acting up. Or whatever, but yeah, at home he was really, really acting out in the way that a four-year-old would act out. You know, from changing schools, he went into a spot. It was a daycare with minimal structure. They're just, they're just there to watch your kids, and then he went to an actual school where there's more structure, and he couldn't do exactly what he wanted. So when he got home, he wanted to do exactly what he wanted since he couldn't do that all day. And we, you know, the wife and I, we figured it out. We put it together pretty quickly. What was happening? And it's since settled, but it got to a point after like the first couple of weeks, like, do we need to start hitting this kid? I don't want to spank. It's, uh, you know, it's a tool in the tool belt. I'm sure some of you, you know, many of you were spanked listening. It's kind of gone away side. I can do a separate podcast. I got a podcast coming up with Guy. I'm pretty excited about that. Maybe we'll get into the spanking conversation. Uh, I don't want to get uh, dive into my perspective on that right now. I believe I've shared it before. Anyways, um, so that was all going on. And then also uh, the surgery was coming up and I was, it was my last like week 
at the at the real estate job as I'm starting a business. So I was really, really stressed out in that time frame. Uh, but I went through, I wanted to read some of my journal entries from the days to follow. So going for the hemorrhoidectomy surgery, right? Surgery went fine. I got my uh, I got my anesthesia around like 10:30 a.m. I woke up around 11:30, and you know, I, you know, sore, but you're still under anesthesia, right? Wife picks me up, drives me, uh, drives me to the crib, goes and gets my my pain pills and uh, chicken, so I can make some bone broth. And then, you know, I, I popped a pain pill, and then kind of started going. Right, start, start going with the recovery process. So I want to read to y'all just a little bit of my journal entries from the first week of this surgery, right, just to get an idea of the state of mind I was in. All right, so my surgery was on the 27th of, uh, of April. So on the 28th, 1 a.m., I wrote this note at 1 a.m., used painkillers, first poop is immense, only made a little squirt come out. Then took forever to manipulate the pee to flow. This sucks. Click remote, please. Uh, if you've never seen the movie Click, check it out. It's not too bad. But uh, Adam Sandler, he uh, gets a magic remote control that if you hit fast forward, you can fast forward through time. So I wanted the click remote. I wanted this recovery to be done. Uh, but the, So that was the 28th. 29th, so painful. That's the journal entry for the 29th. All right. <laughs> the 30th. It's about 4.20. The pain is finally what I would consider manageable, bearable. Still hurts to move and do stuff, but I can semi-comprehend thoughts. Still haven't had time. Still haven't had a true bowel movement. Some squirts and a couple teeny tiny nuggets, but no dump. It's right there, pressing. Every vibration, a laugh, cough, squeeze, weight shift, exertion, step, vibration of the earth equals pain. The pain of exploding into existence is happening in and around my asshole. Still haven't shit. I've attempted to shit. So that was the 30th. That was, uh, must have been a real rough day. <laughs> you know, the, I can't describe the pain. And then the angst you get in your head. You're just laying on your stomach for days. You know, trying to get up and walk, stay loose, get the blood to flow, and then you just lay right back down. All right, so that was uh, April 30th on to May 1st. All right, so let's keep in mind, surgery on the 27th, 28th, 29th, 30th, the 1st. So five days, and I hadn't put, like I'm counting the 27th as day one because we wake up first thing in the morning after fasting, um, and you roll into surgery, nothing in your stomach, like that day didn't count. So it was five days before I pooped, all right? Finally pooped. It was epic. A true turd finally fell from my ass. It was three strenuous waves, but I focused and passed it. I'm not yet over the pain in full lizard brain. Um, man, that is so true. So like the, the recovery process, all you can think about, my asshole hurts, my asshole hurts, my asshole hurts, my asshole hurts. Like just that whole region and it's tense, tense, tense. Um, I'm going to stop reading there. I just wanted to get up to the point where I first pooped so I could talk about poop for a minute. Uh, I had to scream shits. So I just sit there, you know, finally after five days, you take a shit and it was horrendous, horrendous, the poops, uh, how bad it hurt. And it got to a point, 
I, I counted. It took a dozen turds before the scream shits were over. I pa- like I passed over a few days. Just a slow healing process. I'm sitting there screaming, banging on the wall. I had to get. Uh, I had to bring in assistance. I bought a squatty potty. Uh, I, I would bring my cane. I got a I got a collection of canes. I would bring a cane, like a walking cane, into the bathroom just to kind of lean on and and pull, just something to like squeeze, hold, press down upon. Uh, I bring in a, a stress ball uh, and a massage gun. So if you've seen those big kind of deep tissue massage guns, put that on low, put the big head on it, and just beat it on it on my stomach to keep the the bowels kind of rumbling and churning, and that really helped. Like push the poop out. That was the, I think that was the, the X factor, right? So that was, uh, and I called them the scream shits. I'd just be in there every time screaming, you know, 15, 20 minutes, just banging on the wall, kind of getting off the pot, hovering over it, or, you know, flat out standing up, jumping up and down a little bit to, to loosen things up. Oh, it, it, I can't even, you have to go through it, like to fully understand, like, the pain, like I've, I've never felt anything like it. Like as a man, I think I mentioned this before. The only surgery we generally hear fellas get is the, uh, is that vasectomy. So you're just sitting there thinking, yeah, the vasectomy, like, you know, you, it hurts. You limp around for a few days and, uh, you're good to go. You're back to action. But you know, I've seen dudes get vasectomies and go to the bar that night and kick it. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I've never known anybody who gone through this. It's not, it wasn't an open heart surgery. You know, it wasn't a knee replacement. You know, it wasn't a hip replacement. It wasn't shoulder surgery. No, I was just taking out hemorrhoids, right? It's pretty, pretty simple. Wrong, wrong. So if you're going on this journey, you know, whatever led to your hemorrhoids and you get to stage four where they can no longer do a laser or they can no longer band it, they can no longer repack it. You need the hemorrhoidectomy mentally prepare get your mind clear all right and i hope you have at a minimum two weeks to recover all right so it that was i just went through the first five days i just went to the first shit all right it took a full two weeks before i could stretch okay i stretch every day you know how tight and tense i was but hold on before i get to that i want to talk about like the first day home from surgery so let me rewind before i before i ever even pooped the uh get home and I got, I put out, I don't, I don't know. I was unprepared, right? I didn't, I was unprepared for how severe the surgery was. And part of me is really glad that I didn't look anything up about it. If I would have known how, uh, how intense the recovery is, I, I probably wouldn't have been so cool before the whole staff, not just like your assigned before surgery, you get your assigned, you know, a couple nurses to get you ready and they do all your intake. And then the anesthesiologist comes and talks to you, but there's a few other people there in the surgery center going through the same thing. So there's a couple crews. My nurse team called over everyone, everyone on the floor to look at my heart rate. My heart rate was uh, below 40. And uh, they were like, hey, how are you? I'm like, feeling great, feeling normal. Like, your heart rate's real low. I'm like, yeah, my heart rate's always real low. I am in incredible physical conditioning. And they're like, yeah, but you're at a 38. I'm like, I was like, it's always below 60. If my heart rate goes above 60, like I'm exert, I'm doing extreme exertion. Like I'll be, you know, doing yard work and be below a 70 heart rate in a hot Arizona day. And they're like, yeah, but you're at 38. I'm like, yeah, 
feeling pretty good, man. Pretty chill. Just just ready to ready to get these hemorrhoids out. It's almost a sense of relief being here. Like I made it. Let's let's knock this out. And they're like, okay, if you, you're feeling fine, like yeah, my heart rate's always low, and your machine probably a little bit off. Like it doesn't, you know, it's probably not calibrated perfectly. You know, maybe it's a little bit older. Maybe it's time for upgrade. Maybe I'm really at a 44. You're a few beats off. Like you know, I don't know what to tell you. So <clears throat> that that was uh, that was so cool calm collected i don't remember how i jumped there but i was talking about when i came home came home from the surgery i had uh i didn't prepare properly right oh that's what i said i didn't prepare properly i didn't do any research so i didn't know what i needed uh so i put on maternity panties uh just because i don't have i wear boxer briefs and i got like a couple pair of tidy whities but i pretty much wear boxer briefs and that's too loose after a hemorrhoidectomy because you need to put padding like inside your drawers so and i did that so i put on these maternity panties uh a little tight by the way uh didn't didn't quite fit properly but i put those on nonetheless and put on panty liners and some gauze right in there still so i bled through the gauze bled through the panty liners bled through the drawers had a towel under me bled through the towel bled through the sheet and then underneath the sheet we have like a like a I don't know. It's not a pad. It's just a, a cover, just a moisture and debris cover. I got a $5,000 mattress at the crib. So you want to protect it. You know, you just want to sweat through the sheets into your mattress and all those flakes, all that nastiness gets in there. So we got that. We pull that off every few months and, and wash that. Uh, but so that's settled. It spared the mattress and that was fine. That just wiped off of there. But a lot of blood, a lot of blood still coming out day one, day two, a little bit less. Every day was, was better, but it, it was hard to track. It was like extreme, extreme pain. So that was day one. So I would say uh, get you a pack, a 12 to 20, I'd say get 24. Get 24 pair of draws, tidy whities your size or a size down. You actually want them to be a little bit tight, not so tight around your waist that it's you know leaving an imprint and fucking up your circulation, but don't get too big. Then in that case, I might as well just wear my boxer briefs. Like that didn't hold. You need something to hold up there. Once the bleeding slows down, all right, you grab, go to Amazon, get you a 50-pack of panty liners, the Amazon basics, the cheapest ones you can get, and line, I would put either two or three in and like kind of butterfly them, however wide the drawers were, not stacked on top of each other, but I laid them next to each other um, inside the drawers. And that was enough over, after that first day, just, you know, the panty liners was enough. I no longer had to sleep on a towel, like the bleeding stopped. But that first day was, was, it was very, very difficult. Um, and I'm a back sleeper. Like I, I have a real hard time sleeping any other way. So that was kind of part of the issue with the blood coming out. If I had been on my stomach, it probably went to float out so much, but I sleep on my back with my legs like up on pillows and then my head elevated. So really, all the blood flow is kind of flowing to my core, middle of my body. So it makes sense that that happened. But if you get a 24-pack or get 24 tidy whities and a whole bunch of panty liners, and then I got this, uh, this lidocaine cream to go when the, when the Percocet wasn't, uh, wasn't quite enough. All right. So that was also stay on top of the pain medication. All right. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not for prescription drugs. I actually do my absolute best to stay away from them. And that's just because I like them. I really like the way 
like Percocet, Vicodin, Oxys, like as a recreational drug, I really, really like them. I don't think I ever developed a problem with them, but I did develop a problem with Adderall at a very young age. So I know I got a proclivity to, um, to, to liking my pills. Okay. And when I was in the military, you, you can't smoke weed when you're in the military when I was on active duty. So I would pop pills like on a Friday when I could get them. And then by Monday you're pissing clean. Anyways, so if you have a real good Friday, um, you know, air quote, real good, you know, destroying your body with prescription drugs. Uh, you're good by Monday. So, but in this instance, I needed the pills. So kick in right away. So the first day I tried to delay and it said every, uh, every four hours, pop one of these. It might've been even every three. So one time I try, I was like, I think I'm okay. Let me just not take it at night, and that'll get me, you know, so I can get to the morning. I'll take one in the morning. But then you wake up in the middle of the night, stomach's rumbling a little bit, your shit schedule is off, your 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 pipes are realigning. The hemorrhoidectomy, it, the exit hole is twisted. So that realigns your whole, your whole like digestive tract, like entirely. So that's what's kind of happening in part of the healing process. Like your pipes, my pipes, they were all being realigned. All right, so that's where a lot of the the pain stemmed from, right? So I woke up in the middle of the night having to shit, but I hadn't took a pain pill, and that was the roughest. So that that's all I needed. That's a little lesson learned. So now I just stay on a certain schedule, wait as long in the morning as I could to take one, and that would set my schedule for the day. And then no matter what, it would be like right before bed. Um, definitely take a pain pill before bed because you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and need to shit and they're going to be scream shits. So they're very painful. Um, right. So that's all I found I needed. So draws, panty liners and a lidocaine cream. And with the lidocaine cream, get you the, either rubber gloves or I got the little fingertip rubber, uh, rubber things. Uh, and then you rest. Okay. That's the most important thing when it comes to a hemorrhoidectomy is you rest. Get up and walk around as needed, as far as you can. If you got stairs, ride on. Go up and down the stairs once or twice. Go outside in your backyard, front yard, courtyard, whatever that looks like. Get some fresh air. Get some sunshine. And take your ass right back in and lay down. You can only do some. I made the mistake on like day three or four. Hold up, I got surgery on it. It was a Wednesday. So I must have been the following like Monday or Tuesday. I drove across town, across Tucson, probably like 30 minutes. So like an hour in the car, maybe like 45, 50 minutes total in the car. Um, too much. Too much. All right. Just the sitting, the the control, controlling the core when you're driving, the, the focus that you need on the road. But I'm really in lizard brain. So I'm focused on the pain. And like when you're in that much pain. Lizard brains just survive, just survive, just survive, just survive, just get through this. Um, shouldn't have made that trip. That actually, I actually thought like I did some damage. I was like, damn, I probably fucked something up with this surgery. Like I didn't. Like you could sit there. It was just very, very uncomfortable. I shouldn't have did that. The next day or two, and I didn't need. I went to go get uh, some shirts for the company. I had already had them printed, paid for. And as a courtesy to the guy who owns the company, like, let me get my shit out of your shop. It's taking up real estate in your warehouse. So let me go get this. We didn't have a, like a delivery system set up that wasn't agreed upon in the price. So fortunately, I got that off his shelves at my detriment. So made it home and just laid, laid right back down, man. Um, but rest, 
rest, rest, healing. That's all it is. So I watched a couple of movies. I tried to watch some comedies. Had to turn those off. The laughing that hurt too much. Tried to watch action movies or dramas. I get a little too uh, like action thrillers, a little too intense. So I'm tensed up. So I was like, man, what am I gonna put on? So I just kind of put on some boring movies to fall asleep to, uh, or church services, or whatever. But really, I just did a lot of laying and resting, a lot of rest. So after like two weeks of just rest. And, and I slowly, you know, the so I have surgery on Wednesday. Mrs. Rain took the boys to school that Thursday and Friday. Then come Monday, I started getting back into the routine. So I would get up in the morning with the boys, get them all ready for school, do their breakfast, all that, get them off, come back home, rest all day. All right. And then go. And then slowly progress back into going to work meetings. I told, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there at a meeting. This is funny. This is a, this is an interesting it's an interesting th- point. Just pause on the hemorrhoid talk. I was sitting there, but it's kind of part of the hemorrhoid talk. I go into a team meeting. I'm on the real estate team. We've got meetings every day. We go into a meeting. We go around the circle. We do kind of wins, losses, areas you need help. And I get to me, all right, what do you got to say? Anything for the group? I'm like, you know, I'm just, just happy for health and time and you all giving me this time. I'm recovering. I'm still at whatever, 50%. I'm just, just getting back into it. Um, I'm still a little incontinent. Like I couldn't control pee or poop. There was no delineating factor. Every time I needed to go to the restroom, it's a right now situation. There's no holding it. It's just, oh, now's the time. Go. Like There's no bowel control. There's no sphincter control. You can't hold anything back. And then you can't fully tell if it's pee or poop. You just know you have to go to the bathroom. So I didn't have full control. That's what incontinence is. If you don't know what incontinence is, you, you learn that today. It means you don't have full control over your bowel or bladders. All right. Now I work with a group of highly, highly successful people, but also intelligent people. That doesn't mean you necessarily have a v- verbose ver- vocabulary. All right. So I said, I'm in, in the meeting. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good, recovering. I'm still incontinent. I need to be by my bathroom. I'm not even comfortable being here right now. Same thing I pretty much said the whole time. And then the meeting ends. And as I'm leaving the office, that flows into another. That particular day, it was a Thursday. Um, so after that Thursday meeting, there's a team training like a half hour later. All right. So I go into the boss's office and I say, all right, cool. I'm out of here. Like, oh, you're you're leaving? I'm not staying for training? I was like, did you not just hear what the fuck I said at the meeting? I said I'm incontinent. All right, it's time for me to go, and I get re- I get really worked up. Like from a, a leadership perspective, if you're not listening to your subordinates, that's a failure of leadership. All right, you need to listen, pay attention. And adjust accordingly. And it might, and accordingly, maybe no adjustment. All right. But in that moment, you needed to adjust to me not being there. Oh, and another pause, side note I hope there's no static on this recording. We're pretty far into this podcast, but I just got new mic cables. I had like three or four mic cables. And just through time over the last few years, they've all just shit out. They're cheap. Got off Amazon. Um, but I got a little bit of higher quality ones. So I hope there's not just a bunch of static on this. If so, I apologize. Um, so that kind of thing would happen on the real estate team, like kind of regularly lack of listening to people's needs or, or what they're going through. But we have these scheduled meetings to specifically go through 
those like people's specific needs, where they're struggling, where they need help. And if you're not going to listen to that portion of the meeting that you make us have, then why the fuck are we having the meeting? Okay. So that was, uh, that side note, I guess. Uh, but I go, it's a, a slow recovery to walking around the yard, to walking to go get the mail, to being able to comfortably sit at the dinner table, to uh, comfortably getting able to sleep a little bit more soundly through the night. And then what was really cool, so I was in a huge transitional period at that time. All right, so we're transitioning out of the hemorrhoid talk, but at the end of, end of the recovery, uh, Megan went to Michigan for a wedding. She left on a Wednesday. So on Wednesday, I dropped the boys off at school and I come home and just like, okay, here's what's going on in life right now. I got my oldest son about to transition into kindergarten. I just quit my job. I'm starting a company. I just had this surgery. A lot, a lot is going on. Uh, We just put $20,000 into the house. It was like 17K into the house. All right, that was a, that's a huge, huge chunk of the family savings, right? So it's like a lot is going on right now. Let me just get my mind clear. So went, you know, a little, uh, little bit of mushrooms and just healed. I took a day of healing. Uh, now that was Wednesday. So first thing in the morning, dropped the boys off, hit it with the mushrooms and just chill in the backyard under the tree, listening to music. Um, just stretching. I can finally move around and stretch and just trying to loosen up because I'm, like I said, I stretch every day. And when you get this hemorrhoidectomy, like your whole, it, I became tensed and the tension worked from my asshole out. So my left, like hamstring cramping real tight. Still, I haven't fully loosened that up yet. All right. My lumbar, I already got lumbar issues, tense, tight. I got a compressed psoas muscle on the left side. Um, P-S-O-A-S, if you want to look that up. P-S-O-A-Z, P-S-O-A-S. I'm pretty sure psoas, not psoas. Um, it says deep, like behind your abs, you have the psoas muscle. It's just like a big, thick band, real powerful muscle. Um, I got one of those like compressed, uh, naturally lean left, uh, in the military, your right arm needs to be free most of the time. So you carry things on your left. So I'm real compressed on the left side. And that's where I hold a bunch of my tension. Uh, the, I have the herniated disc between L4 and L5 is on the left side. So everything over like the, it's, it's just bad. My back's just bad. And that tension then worked up my back onto the left side at like my trap. And so I'm just tight. So I just begin to stretch, loosen up, deep tissue, beat up for hours, hours of rehab out in the sun in the backyard, just hours, just tripping balls too, just hours. That's one of my favorite things about like being on mushrooms. You can just, I, I focus on my body, the internals of it. I can really connect with it and just get to a point where I'm just healing even more. And then, so that was Wednesday, you know, and you kind of just come back to normal, come back to reality. You know, it's just a few hour situation. Uh, go pick the kids up from school, go about the rest of our day. And then uh, double that up the next day. Um, same thing, just a little bit of shrooms, chilling in the backyard, just deep tissue. A lot, so a lot of stretching on the first day, a lot of stretching with more deep tissue on the second day. So deep, deep tissue. That first day I beat up my left calf. I got the massage gun I was talking about. I found tension points in my right calf 
that have been there since high school. Like I beat, uh, I just beat the shit out of my body, and I was about to get on a plane to go join my wife in Michigan. Uh, so I just wanted to be loosened up for that a little bit. So I had two days of just healing and therapy. As soon as I could move more and stretching, just knock that out. And then Friday I went to Michigan, met up with the wife because uh, one of her best friends and bridesmaids was getting married uh, that next day on Saturday. So that was cool, man. So I went up to Michigan, had that going on. Uh, that was real fun. I, I I haven't seen my wife laugh like that in a very long time. These are her, she grew up in Michigan. She moved to Arizona when she was like 20. Uh, But meeting up with her like childhood friends, that's something I don't have. So when I get to see it like live and unfold and happen in person, I like to observe, you know, that type of relationship. And it it was really, really cool to to get to see her. And I'm a watcher too. I'm a people watcher. So I would just kind of, lean back or go sneak off, smoke a little bit of weed, um, come back and uh, just watch her from just a few feet away and see her laugh, her just her whole presence, her aura. Just It was it was beautiful to see my wife uh, around like the people she's, she's known the longest than her level of comfortability. Like it, it was super cool. It was super cool to to be there. It was a really cool wedding. Uh, a bunch of good people got, you know, met a few people that was cool that are in the network now, some entrepreneurs. Um, boy, and then, so my wife, it was uh, sh- her best friend's wedding. And then they had another best friend. So it was my wife, the lady's wedding we were at. And then a third lady, they're all three childhood best friends. And that third lady, she's getting married uh, this year too. So I'm hoping to be able to swing it back up to Michigan to go kick it with those fools again. Cause that was a good time. And Michigan has some fire ass weed. I didn't even know weed was legal in Michigan. Like now nah, they get it. They, they were one of the first States to be fully legal. And I don't know, or I don't, they were one of the first States like Colorado was the first fully recreational legal. I think that was, I don't remember if it was 2009, 2012. I don't fully remember, but Michigan was shortly thereafter thereabouts. Um, but cool spot, man. Cool spot. Uh, Kalamazoo would be the biggest, like main city. They're kind of in the surrounding areas. The wedding was specifically, if you know, Michigan was in Portage. So it was a cool little town. Uh, got to explore Kalamazoo a little bit. Uh, it was a good time, man. I really enjoyed being in Michigan and I could see myself like one day when, you know, we're old and gray and are having two houses. I could see being a snowbird and planting most of the year in Michigan and then in winters coming down to Tucson, keeping a house here or some other sunny, warm area. Um, just headed back up to the snow for Christmas or something like that. But yeah, Michigan was cool. Opened my eyes to some some cool things. And uh, I had never been. I'd never been to Michigan. Uh so check that off on the states I fucked my wife in. So I don't know. I got to get that map out. I don't know if we're at like 15, 16 states. But we're going to hit all 50 and the territories, all six territories. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. Uh, what else been going on? Hemorrhoidectomy, Michigan trip, and the Hawks. I'm going to end on the Hawks. So uh, if y'all been listening to the podcast, y'all know I love my birds in my yard. So I got... Uh, I got a, you know, a a moderate sized yard for Tucson, Arizona, not too small, not too big, 0.17 acre. And for some of y'all that's big, for some of y'all that's tiny, Uh, but it's like a, it's a respectable sized yard for a family of four to have. And it's a lot to care for. There's a lot of, a lot of vegetation going on in my yard. Um, So throughout the years, 
the last several years, we had hawks in the yard. The next year, we had hawks in the yard. And this was all in the side tree. The next year, we they, the owls came in the yard. They kicked the hawks out, took over their nest, and we had owls in the yard. And then this year, the owls, when it was their mating season, they were close. They were in the neighborhood, but they chose a different nest. All right. It's still, I presume it's the same owls. Owls supposedly mate and nest for life. But nest for life, I, I don't know if that means the same specific nest or like and just they they, net, they they live in the same area. And I think they just live in the same area. So they were scoping out that nest. So here's what happened. Okay, so I remember we went hawks, hawks, owls. So the second year we had hawks, I think the owls were scoping it out because the third year we had that we had owls, we also had hawks. All right, we had hawks the third year too, but the owls came in. I think they were scoping out the nest the year prior, came in, overtook the nest, kicked the hawks out. It was a Sunday. I remember the day it happened or the, the, the next day that it happened because the hawks came back. We we're trying to get the owls out and they couldn't get them out. Owls are the apex. Uh, raptors are apex predators, but of raptors, owls are the the most hard. They're the biggest bird. They hunt at night. They're yeah. The, the the issue with the they have with hawks is they both hunt at sunset, as well. But the hawks hunt all day until sunset. The owls hunt from sunset to sun up, and then just kind of chill all day. So it's a it's an interesting relationship. So we had. Um, this year, kind of no activity. And then the tree, I was like, okay, well, we don't have any raptors this year. That sucks for the care of the yard because they did a really good job, no matter if it was hawks or owls, taking care of like pack rats and, and mainly pack rats, field mice. I mean, we're out in the desert and we live near what is called a wash. Um, too difficult to explain what a wash is if you don't know. Um, but shit washes up. So critters, animals, and bodies from time to time. Uh, so... The raptors do a good job of taking care of the yard. So I'm in the backyard recently and the hawks are back. Different tree though. I got like five big trees, mature trees around my yard and they move from the side tree to the back tree. That's our big shade tree, family tree. Um, you know, that's a cool tree. It's a African. No, 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 no. African sumac? Yeah, it's an African sumac. So we're chilling under the tree. Um, bam, and the hawks are back. And I got so excited just getting to see, and they were lower this year, which became actually a problem. So as you get close to a hawk's tree, you know, they'll kind of fly away and squawk at you, letting you know that they're there and, you know, get the fuck away. But then, and then, so like the, the mom will be in the nest, nesting. And she'll start squawking, maybe fly away, maybe not. But then the papa will come over because they're never too far apart. All right. So I got two of these hawks kind of scoping out my family all, all the last month or so. All right. And then it got to a point where the babies hatched. All right. And then it became problematic, our relationship with the hawks. That so happened to be the same week my kids were out for school. So school year ended. Then it's a week summer break before the summer camp starts. So they're in that summer camp. But that week, we have baby hawks. So we're out in the yard at the same time, and they're about 12 feet up versus 20, 22 feet up in the other nest. So it's relatively low. So they feel threatened when a human gets close. So any close activity, she would hop out and start 
like it got to she would start squawking and then start swooping and it got to a point after about two three days she stopped squawking and would immediately hop out and just start swooping she got the dog a couple times uh no damage but touched her and got i think a talon on some hair uh swooped at the wife swooped at both the kids swooped at me plenty of times uh we had to set up an intricate umbrella setup <laughs> megan was out there with the boys she said it didn't matter she swooped under the umbrellas i was like damn that's wild um so i don't know how we're gonna i can do i, I can deal with that for a week a year if they want to come back you know we're debating right now tearing the nest down i'd hate to do that i don't want to get rid of the nest it's a safe spot for them it wasn't like deadly dangerous it went on for like six, five six days it might have been a week um where it was just kind of aggressive hawks you know just protecting their nest they don't know what the fuck we got going on in society they were doing hawk shit so that's uh but now they've they've, they've they flew the coop and i don't know haven't haven't seen them in a while um, so I don't know what, uh, what's going on. So usually what had happened the last several years, including with the owls, the babies would start to fly and once the, once they can fly, they stop attacking. All right. So that's all we were waiting on. So I don't know what happened. They never fly. They were still babies. Um, what has usually happened, we get to watch them mature. We get to watch their feathers come in. We get to watch them learn to hunt. We get to watch them eat at sunset, um, and we get to learn to watch them fly, especially the dumb one. There's always a dumb one. So hawks have either, hawks and owls. They either have three or four at a time. Um, so this one, I don't, I don't know. They weren't there long enough to know if they had three. There was at least three. I don't know if there was a fourth, and we didn't get to see them fly this year. So I have no idea what happened. I don't know if they got sick of the human presence. They were too close and moved like across the street. So I saw them the next day. Like there was a day that they're obviously there and then there's a day they're gone. And that day I saw them like across the street on one, at least one of the adults. Um, and I don't know if they just like just moved to be a little bit more comfortable or if something like an owl came through and snatched up some of the babies at night. So the parents just dipped. I, I have no clue. I got no clue. I don't know. I was expecting them to still be there right now learning how to fly. I got some tight videos from like 2018 of a, a red tail hawk. We had red tail hawks, Cooper's hawks, Cooper's hawks that got killed by the bighorn owls. And then this year we got Cooper's hawks again. But I got a video of a red tail hawk, like just in the yard, learning how to fly, like flying into the door, thinking he's seeing another hawk that he's coming to attack. That day was tight. Um, so yeah, so that's, so that's what I've had going on. Um, still kicking it with the business. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Tucson helper handyman and home services. Holler at your boy. I would love to come, uh, help you out. So I do basic handyman stuff. All right. Hanging pictures, uh, help you move stuff. Sometimes you just need a, a body. What I do. I painted grout the other day. Uh, just brought somebody's floor back to life to pop that, uh, put on a, a, a toilet seat bidet, nozzle not a not a not a bidet toilet seat but a sprayer nozzle so i put one of those on just basically a t-fitting hose and a and a sprayer pretty pretty standard install nothing too crazy there uh little stuff you know i don't do major renovations don't do major roof work major electrical kind of the little stuff but what i'm focusing on is helping people care for their houses as a realtor on the one of the highest producing teams in the country right i think we're in the top half percent of realtors in the whole nation, I've seen some things on home inspections, right? I've shadowed hundreds of home inspections. 
All right. And I've seen real avoidable things for people who own their houses. Like, why is your house? Like, you live here. You own this. It's not a rental. I'm working with the homeowner. You live here and you have three sinks in this house. Four sinks if you include the kitchen. Three bathroom sinks you have in this house. All three sinks don't drain. Do you wash your hands when you're done taking a shit? Do you not know your sinks don't drain? Why haven't you tended to this? Your water heater. We have really, really hard water here in Arizona. It's really important that you flush your water heater out. Right. At least once a year. And then like your dryer. Every time you dry a load of clothes, there's a certain amount of lint that goes through that exhaust duct that goes outside and that lint builds up over the time. And that's a fire hazard. I've seen, I've, I've, I have taken, I have removed, physically removed pounds of lint pounds. You know how much lint it takes to get a pound. I've taken multiple pounds, the fists, the multiple fistfuls of lint that I've seen in dryer vent ducting is insane. Uh, so that's the type of stuff I do around my house, basic homeowner stuff that most people, they get too old or and acquire a disability or have a disability or just have a, a, a young family that's real busy and you forget to flush your water heater out. So that's why I kind of devise this company around, okay, what do people need help with around the house? These couple of items. Okay, I'll come do that. I'll come do that for cheap. And then while I'm there, I can knock out a couple other little things too because I'm, you know, I'm handy. So not a standard handyman. I'm not looking for handyman work. I'm looking for clients that want me to come help them care for their property. You know, every year, at this time, Daniel comes through, flushes the water heater, cleans out our sink pee traps, and then we give him a little honey-do list. He knocks that out, and that's his daily job. So that was kind of the focus of the company. I'll get into some more entrepreneurial stuff in uh, podcasts to come. I think I have some good business lessons to, to express, some good coaching to go out there and maybe start a second podcast on, on business and, and my perspective on that. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to get up out of here, man. Uh, appreciate y'all listening predominantly about my asshole and glad I could get a little bit of a catch up, but, uh, happy father's day. It is father's day. Uh, my kids, uh, my kids got COVID right now. So it's my son, my oldest son, he came father's day weekend. He came early. He came, he's considered a premature baby because he wanted to spend father's day with me so much. Um, so I'm gonna go spend father's day with him right now. But, uh, we, his birthday party was, his birthday was Friday his birthday party was supposed to be yesterday, but him and his brother woke up with COVID. So we had to cancel the party. We blew up balloons. We had the cakes made, uh, had the house clean, had the uh, had everything set up and had to cancel the day of due to COVID. And, you know, they're fine. They got a cough, no fever, running around, feeling good. Every time they cough or sneeze, say their, th- their throats hurt, both my boys. But one tested positive for COVID, the other one did not, but they have the exact same symptoms going on. So I don't know what's cracking. Mrs. Rain got a sore throat today. She probably got COVID too. And I feel a little bit of it in my nasals. And speaking from somebody who had COVID before, it kind of felt like this when I got COVID last year. So I'm probably getting it too. Uh, nonetheless, I'm going to get up out of here. Everybody be cool. Check on a vet and hug your loved ones.
situation Some cold like Vikings giving you a revelation Got the twins in the game, you don't wanna be fast We some wolves and we popping pills on native reservations Ain't acting like saints cause I ain't a fucking angel Been through life in the cold and you know that shit is painful All the links in the chain, that shit is never breaking On the south side sunrise, I'm running for fucking mayors